In this episode, we're talking all about games and activities in the language classroom. Now, these are games and activities that we do in the target language. They're an opportunity for students to be comfortable risk-taking, to have fun and enjoy it while using the target language to engage with each other and build community. I have four no-prep, easy-to-do activities that can be done at any proficiency level to share with you. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I'm Joshua, and I want to start, as always, by saying thank you so much for being here. Just the simple fact that you take time out of your week to listen to what's happening in other teachers' classrooms have some time to think about what's going on in your classroom, what can you take back, what can you modify, be reassured you're doing great stuff. All of that is what makes you such an awesome and dedicated teacher. So thank you so very much for taking the time out of your week to be with me here on this podcast. And while I have your attention, I would like you to take a look at the app that you're listening to this on and make sure that you are subscribing or following. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving a review That would be really helpful as well. And a rating helps other teachers see this. And if you're listening directly on my website, just through the player on the webpage, you might want to consider right below where you're listening to this, you have links to a number of podcast platforms where you can also listen to this podcast. And if you listen through one of those platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcast or Stitcher or any of those, then you can just subscribe and it'll go right, the podcast episode will go right to your app and you don't have to go looking for it or wait for an email or anything to come out. So just consider doing that if you're listening on the website. But if you're listening on one of the apps, please make sure that you are liking, following, and doing all that fun stuff and leaving a rating. I want to start by just talking real quickly about this idea of activities and games in the classroom. And if you've been listening to the podcast uh, for the last, I guess we're at about six months now because the first uh, podcast came out uh, back in the beginning of the school year, so August, September. So you've probably noticed that I'm kind of a research person. I like to know what the research says about what we're doing in the classroom, how can we use it, figure out what other teachers are doing, you know, sort of that whole language acquisition process. And I think that's really incredibly important and we need to be focused on that. And we've talked about equity. We have talked about a number of different different really important topics that we should be bringing into our classrooms, and that's only going to benefit our students even more. So I don't want to put all that aside for this episode, but about every, I don't know, two or three months, four or five times a year, I want to do an episode of the podcast that I dedicate specifically to sort of games and activities that you can do in your classroom. 
Now, when I say games and activities, I'm not saying let's abandon the target language because everything I'm going to talk about when I do suggestions for games, they all happen in the target language. So they're opportunities for students to engage with the language. So this is not about fun and games and we're not doing the language acquisition thing. It's just a different take on it. And the reason I want to do this is because so much of what we talk about is really for that ideal classroom, that ideal student. And the reality is not every student coming into our classroom is sort of, yes, I want to learn this language. Let's jump right into this and I want to acquire and all of that. We are teaching so many different types of students and it would be great if they all wanted to be there doing it. But the reality is we need to have some sort of buy-in and motivation from our students. And so some of these games and activities that I'm going to be talking about and suggesting, which are actually things I do in my classroom, I want you to sort of think about bringing them into your classroom. Now, I'm not saying you want to use these for entire classes and two classes in a row, but they're an opportunity for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, every now and then. It gives students sort of a little bit of a break from the all-on comprehensible input stuff, which is so important. Again, I'm not saying don't do that. I definitely do all of that. But we also want to have opportunities for students to just have some fun with the language, and that's sort of going to motivate a lot of them and keep them coming back. So activities and games are a useful teaching and learning tool. You know, they help with motivation, but they also help with engaging with the language as well. So again, I'm not saying abandon the communicative activities. There's the place for that. But if we're doing all of that all the time, we're not going to have the interest buy-in of students that we want them to have. So by doing some of these games once in a while in the target language, it's going to have the benefit of additional practice with the language, but also giving students an opportunity to have fun with the language and engage with it kind of in a different way. So in addition to providing students with opportunities to practice with the language uh, using these games, they are going to motivate our students. So some of these games I'm going to share today, I'm going to share four of them. These are the games where students will often ask to play them. You know, can we do this today? Because they actually enjoy them that much. So those are the ones I want to you know, sort of tell you about. You might think of using some of these as brain breaks as well. Uh, some of them can go a little longer than that, depending on what you're doing. But brain breaks, they help to refocus students and before you go back to an activity that might be on a heavier side. Uh, so you might want to use them as brain breaks or just activities uh, amongst themselves. So just a couple of other reasons I want to say why these games and activities are useful in the classroom because I think some teachers kind of avoid them a little bit because it feels like it's not all acquisition all the time. And I'm an acquisition person. Again, so important. But by providing these games and activities, we're giving a an opportunity for relaxed context for students with the language where they're going to be more comfortable with risk-taking and it's going to lower that affective filter which can get in the way of acquisition happening. So the more we can sort of have them engage and enjoy it, the lower their affective filter is going to be and they're going to be more comfortable taking risks with the language. And it, they also help to build community in the classroom. Because it's an opportunity to engage with the language, but not always on that 
pushing ahead, pushing ahead. Again, we want to be doing that. But once in a while, step back, do some games that are just about playing with the language that they have and help to build that community in the classroom. Also, many opportunities, depending on how you structure these games, that they are an ideal opportunity for practicing and reviewing structures and idiomatic expressions and lots of vocabulary as well. So the, that's sort of my case for using games and activities in the classroom. So again, yes, we want to be doing comprehensible input, 90% plus target language, and we're going to hear a lot from teachers how they're doing that. You've been hearing that. But here are some opportunities to use the language in a bit more of a playful way that's going to get buy-in from students and keep them motivated a little more. So the four activities that I'm going to share with you are activities that actually require very little prep, actually no prep at all. And that's why they're good go-to activities. So they require no prep and you can pull them out at any time. You're not actually pulling something out. You can just say, okay, we're doing this activity and do the activity. So no prep involved. And they're also games that you can easily adapt to any proficiency level. So whether you're doing a novice level class sort of at a level one or you're doing a level three and they're in that intermediate low pushing to intermediate mid, you can use these same activities. You simply change the output prompt that students are doing. But it's the same activity and these are the types of things that students will ask for year after year. And I also want to point out that there are a number of technology resources out there, like GimKit, Kahoot, Blookit, Quizlet Live, Quizzes. Now, all of those are wonderful, and students enjoy them as well. All of these activities are absolutely no technology. Uh, actually, one of them you could slightly add in a technology piece if you want, but it's not necessary. But that's the other thing about this. It's Take the technology away, and you're really just focusing on using the language in a playful way in the classroom and having students interact sort of as a group, sometimes a whole group, smaller groups. So there are those wonderful technology resources out there, and I use them as well, but these are some ways of no prep and also no technology in the classroom, which I think some of us want a little more of right now to kind of move away from the technology. So here we go. I've talked a lot about that. You have your whole background. You have all the reasons why. Now, here's what you came for. Ready? So the first activity, this is the one my students ask for more than anything else year after year, and it's simply called JUMP. Now, you can name these in your target language, whatever the word for jump is. It's either, like if I'm in a Spanish class, I, I call it saltar. And if it's in my French class, I call it sauter. So it's just the game is called jump. So to set this up, you just get all the students in a circle. Now, the great thing about this is you can do this in a socially distanced way because they don't have to be right next to each other in the circle. If you can move your class outside of the classroom in any kind of space like that, or you can just simply do it with students standing around in the classroom. So everyone stands in a circle, and you as the teacher start in the middle. And what you're going to do is you choose a theme of what you're going to be talking about. For this simple explanation, I'm going to just say that the topic, the theme is colors. 
and I'm going to show you how you can actually move up the proficiency levels with this. But we'll start with this example of using colors. So in kind of COVID times, you may just gesture to a student. I don't know if you want to point to them or just sort of put your hands in their direction, but you need to know that you're talking to a particular student. Also, if you can throw a ball to them, that makes it really obvious and much better. So if you can actually do that, throw a little ball, a little beach ball, a little any anything. It doesn't have to be a ball. It could be a stuffed animal, anything like that. So you throw it to a student and you say a word. And if the word is a color, then the two students standing next to that student that you threw the ball to need to jump if it's a color. And whoever jumps first stays in. And whoever jumps second or a little later upon hearing it, they sit down in the circle. Now, if you say a word that's not a color, like if you say Sunday or something instead of blue, and then nobody jumps. If someone jumps, they're out. So as soon as the student is out, now they are no longer in. So as you're going around the circle, students have to remain aware of who is in around them because there might be three or four people between each student. So one student standing there and there are three people to my right in the circle who are sitting because they're out. So I'm actually next to that fourth person that's next to me. So I have to be really aware. And you just keep going, saying colors, saying anything else that's not a color. And again, whoever jumps first stays in. And if they jump second, they're out. Or if they jump and it's not a color, then they would have to sit down. They'd be out, stay in the circle. They just sit. It goes pretty quickly. And the other thing is the person that you, the student that you throw the ball to does not jump. They do not jump. If they jump, then they're out. When you get down to two people then you just have the two of them sort of face off and you just say random words and the first one to hear a color jumps and then they end up being the winner. So that's simple. That is so novice level. And it's great if you just want to review colors before you're doing something at a higher level. But the other thing you can do with it is you move up the proficiency levels with it. So I've used it with different time frames. So if we're focusing on sort of things that happened in the past, then I will throw the ball and I will say a sentence. And if the sentence is in the past, they jump. But if it's in the future or the present or something else, they don't jump. So you can see that even though the color one or you did days or months or something, that's very novice level because that's a single word. But you can use it as an opportunity for students to really be focusing on structures as well, such as verb tenses. So when a student wins, they're the last person standing, you could ask them if they want to be the person in the middle to then throw the ball and give the prompts. So that's an option. You can ask other students to do it. Maybe students don't want to do it at all. And it's always just you, the teacher, that are giving those prompts. So no problem there. So this is going to work really well. It requires no prep. It's just sort of the structure of it. You will have a lot of ties where students jump. And if that's it, it's just tie. It's a tie. Okay, done. We move on. We do another one. So that's going to happen all the time. The other thing I set up is that 
I am the one who decides who wins. So you don't all have to say, ah, and that's what they like. She jumped first or whatever. No, you don't need any of that. But it's a it's a good opportunity for students to really focus in on the language. And the thing about this is it's completely done in the target language and they are not focused on do I understand all this language all the time? They are just listening for particular things. So this is a go-to game students ask all the time to play. So jump. So the next one is called Let's Go. And I actually call this Oniva in French for Let's Go, or I call it Adelante in Spanish. This can be done with no tech or with a little bit of tech. So the way this works is you have students in groups, maybe groups of three or four, and they all have groups, and some way of keeping a score. They can just do it on a piece of paper. If you have whiteboards, you can do it that way as well. So again, you wanna go into it with a theme, some sort of questions, and I'll be honest with you, I make up the questions on the spot right there, so it doesn't require any prep. So students start on their little piece of paper, they draw two stars because they have, those are sort of their lifeline stars. So each group gets two stars. So when you start, you say to the group, do you want to move ahead or do you want to skip a turn? And if they skip their turn, then they have to cross out one of their stars because they can only do that twice throughout the whole game. So why would they want to skip their turn, you're wondering, right? So this is how it's going to work. You can either have a, a little box or a can or a bag that has numbers one through four in it, as well as two X's. And when you ask students, do you want to move ahead with your turn, you pull out a number or an X. And if it's a number, then you give them a prompt, whatever you're doing. You know, so I'll go back to the colors. I'll be like, give me an example of a color or tell me something you did yesterday, whatever the proficiency level is of the students, that's what they're going to do. It might be identifying a picture. And if they get it correct, then they get that number of points that you pulled out of the bag and then put it back in the bag. Now, if a group says, yes, let's go ahead, on y va adelante, let's go, and you pull out an X, they lose all of their points. So as students are going on, it gets a little risky, you know, and that's what keeps it exciting. And do you want to go on? Do you want to go on? And once they've skipped over their, their turn twice, then they can't do it anymore. So they have to sort of just chance it. At the end, and it's usually you want to set a time limit, like we're going to play this for 15 minutes. And it goes really quickly, and you can do a ton of prompts with students and each group is answering as they're going and points are constantly changing, going all over the place. So the digital version of this, I'm actually going to put in the show notes. It's one of my blog posts where you can just get the Google Slides and it's really just a five or six uh, slide template with numbers and X's on them. And you can use those and just, you know, copy and paste them all the way through and change the orders of the numbers and the X's, maybe do 50 or 60 of the slides. So you project that and then you just advance each slide and they will either get that amount of points for their question or they'll get the X. So you can see it's, it's limited technology, but it is a way of doing it 
or just simply have paper versions of the numbers and the X's and put them in a bag of some sort. So at the end of 20 minutes or however long you're going to play, then it's the team that has the most points at that time that is going to be victorious and win it all. But it's this nature of the X's coming up that uh, where they lose their points. So they might think, uh, you know, as we're in the lower points, we're just going to keep going ahead. We're going to keep going ahead. And if they skip, remember, they're going to lose one of their stars because they it's keeping track. They can only skip twice. And usually by the end of the game, nobody has any stars left. They have no more skips. Everyone has to keep going, every team. And it gets to be a little bit of a nail biter at the end because sort of at the last minute, you know, somebody will pull out an X and lose all their points or get that four that comes out and it gives them more. The points are arbitrary. One, two, three, four. You can do any points that you would like and make the prompts whatever it is you're working on. Any questions, examples from vocabulary to structures, using pronouns, different verb tenses, descriptions, anything. So you can see that it's really the structure of the activity and you can do anything with it and it requires no prep and you can do it at any proficiency level okay the next activity i just call cards you know so tarjetas or carte however whatever language you're doing it in it's just cards and so with this again they're in small groups groups of three groups of four and i usually have them have a whiteboard and a marker they can also do it on paper so that they can have some way of writing an answer so on the board, I write ace through 10, and I put the the ace is worth one point, and then the number cards are one through 10. And then there's jack, queen, king, and you can assign any values you want to that. I tend to not go just 11, 12, 13. I usually do the, the queen as 17, the king as 12, and the jack maybe as 13 or something like that. And so those are just up there. And then you choose one card from a deck that is the secret card that is going to be worth 25 or 30 points. And so you take that card and you keep it in the deck. But I usually take another whiteboard and I write what that card is and I put it up at the board backwards so students can't see it. So then we just go around and I ask a question to the whole group. You're going to write a prompt about something. You are going to maybe write a sentence with the pronoun in it. If we're practicing pronouns, like if I say uh, I go to the store and you have to write I go there or I buy a book and you could say I buy one, anything. Or it could just be three examples of colors uh, three dates, anything that you're, it could be any prompt you can make up on the spot. So you have all the groups write down their answers. They're all doing it at the same time and they hold them all up. And I take the deck of cards and I walk around to each, remember each group is only writing one answer on their whiteboard. And I go around, and if it's correct, I give them a card. I give them a card, each one. If it's not correct, they don't get the card. You can decide, does it have to be 100% correct? You can sort of decide what that's going to be. So you just keep going, and every time they get one correct, you go on to new questions, you give cards, you give cards, you give cards, and then I get to the end of the deck of cards. And then what happens is the students then count up all of their points based on the face value of the cards, whether it's a number card, an ace, and whatever you assign point value to the jack, queen, king, they add those all up. 
Then you sort of go around, you say, okay, these are the standings with the points. And then you reveal what the secret card was. And you show it to the class, you say what it was, and then the team that has that card are going to get that additional amount of points, which will be 25 or 30. Sometimes that's what puts them over and helps them to win. Sometimes there's a team that gets a, a lot of face cards, and there's another team that gets a lot of twos and threes and things like that, and it doesn't help them, but it's an opportunity to sort of have that game changer at the end. Then I just collect all the cards back, and we play another round or we just keep going with those same point values. But again, it's just the structure of the game. Change it out, start a new uh, secret card, write it on the back, and then go from there. It's also an awesome opportunity to make sure you're bringing numbers in as you're talking about the points, that you could talk about the names of the suits and the colors of the suits. And again, any prompt, any proficiency level is going to work with this. And the last game is what I call the wraparound. Uh, I've heard teachers refer to this as the game of tens, something like that. Again, we are in a circle, just like with the jump game at the beginning. And here, students are going to say things that are in a series. Usually, that's really helpful if it's something in a series, like days of the week, numbers, months, something like that. Or you could put pictures on the board, colors on the board so that they can sort of reference them going through, but it's always that same order. So what happens is, and I'm always playing, I'm in the game with them. So I start and say it's days of the week. And I would start by saying, okay, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I can say one, two, or three days. Okay, that's what everyone's going to do. They're going to say one, two, or three days. They don't have to say three. They don't have to say two. They can only say one, but you want to keep going in order. So if I say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, then the next person next to me would have to say either Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Because again, you can do any number that you want. You just have to stay in order. And when you get to Saturday, start back at Sunday going through. It's also helpful, like particularly when I'm doing it in French and the day the days start on uh, Monday, not Sunday, like in the United States. So that's a good cultural thing there as well. So before you start the game, you choose sort of what is the bad day or the day that's going to get you out they might decide it is Saturday so as they're going through and doing the series if you have to say Saturday then you're out so if the person right to my right in the circle you can go left or right it doesn't matter but say we're going around that way and it gets to me and I can say either Thursday or Thursday Friday You know, I could just say Thursday and then that person next to me will say Friday and they won't be out. And then it'll be the person after them who has to say Saturday, you know, so students can sort of play with it that way. Now, again, that's a novice level way of doing it when it is the days of the week, you know, and it because it's in a series, it's in an order you keep going. And as students get out, you know, it just keeps moving to the students that are still in until you get down to two people at the novice level. They're just going to be saying the days. Higher proficiency levels, then you have them saying something with the day. So rather than just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they have to say a sentence about something they do or somebody does on that day. So I have soccer practice on Monday. I go swimming on Tuesday, and I have no activities on Wednesday. 
and they're still in the series going around that way. Or you could have them do it with past tense or future tense, you know, using different vocabulary. So you have to say you have a, a list of vocabulary on the, on the board or pictures that they have to use. So it doesn't have to just be the Monday, Tuesday, or one, two, three, because numbers work really well, but you have to use the number in a sentence at a higher proficiency level. And you just keep going, going, going until you get those two students left at the end, and then you have one person that sort of takes victory. So those are the four activities there, and these are really useful for the classroom. Students really like them. They have a ton of fun with them. They love the jump activity because it gets them up and moving. And then the uh, let's go where they can choose to move ahead or not. And what are the points going to be? Am I going to lose my points? There's strategy involved there. The cards are great because it makes the change of the points sort of a part of the whole process, keeps it exciting. And then the wraparound is really fast and you can do it multiple times. So it's a good activity to do mostly sort of as a, a brain break or something like that. But again, all of these seem like, oh, if I just do it at the novice level, it can be at that single word stage, but it doesn't have to be there. You can easily change the prompt so that the student output is going to be more than just a word. It might be a phrase or an entirely created sentence in different time frames. So give a thought to some of these. You know, I would say if you want to do it exactly like I said, I can tell you from experience they work really well. You might be thinking, oh, I can tweak that a little bit for this class that might work better like that. That is amazing. And I would love to hear, as would everyone else listening, we would love to hear what that inspired for you to do. So please share it out on Twitter Go into my Facebook group. Make sure you tag at uh, WL Classroom. Put it on Twitter. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes with your students. Reach out with any questions. I'm happy to uh, explain more or send you some pictures of examples, anything that might be helpful. Okay? Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.